0: All right, so lesson six is uh, language of the bridegroom is Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon if you have a uh, Protestant or a Catholic Bible. <coughs> oh,
1: thank you very much. I'm very similar.
0: Song uh, of Before we begin. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Please, Adonai our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the family of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected us from all the peoples and give, gave us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen.
2: There you go. Thank you very
3: much. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh,
0: study Torah for his own sake. Does that sound familiar? Lesson. Five of Langer Breitler. Actually, we read that in Eshekayil. Uh, when it says, uh, which one is it? Which says she... Um, Tell me we're not supposed to know the letter that says it. Well, I was going to ask for you. Yeah, ah, ah, ah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Solomon foresaw, this is uh, the Rabbi Shlomo Echah, or Rashi. Solomon foresaw that through the rock of Kodesh, that Israel is destined to suffer a series of exiles and will lament, nostalgically recalling her former status as God's chosen beloved, she will say, I will return to my first husband, for it was better with me then than now. And that's from Hosea 2.9. Then the children of Israel will recall his beneficence and the trespass which they trespass, Leviticus 26.4. And they will recall the goodness with, uh, which he promised for the end of days. Rashi's read Song of Songs and in agreement with the sages of the Talmud and the Midrash, uh, says the Song of Songs must be a, 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 an analogy, a, uh, an allegory. Uh, an, or more importantly, an allegory, rather. Uh, and as reading it as an allegory, what allegory is it? He relates it to Hosea. She's a, she's a, she's a wife that's been alternately faithful, and unfaithful. Is that a legitimate thing? That just sounds like theology. <laughs> the Torah is a love story, as we've been looking at for like, almost a year now. That's, well, right. well, that's the last lesson. Uh, it is a love story. It's all about relationship. Always about relationship. That's the thing that's missing in a lot of times we talk about, the theologies that we talk about when we discuss. It's not wrong to discuss theology. It's fun, especially with this guy coming. Uh, it's not right runner. Uh, it's, it's nice to discuss theology. It's, it's very, it's, it's intellectually appealing, but we should never confuse theology or religion with a relationship. And and oftentimes they, that that theology can mask a relationship. People think they have a relationship, but they haven't. So the Torah is a love story. And how do I describe this relationship? Oh, wow. If it's such a if it's such an intense relationship. I can use drugs. Okay? I'm not a drug addict. I've never been a drug addict. But I hear that it's hard to break it. Depends on the drugs in use, but I hear they're hard to break. I had a friend who had surgery on his neck, and he said the surgery was nothing. Getting off the Oxycontin was like murder. (laughs) So, there you go. So, how about that? How about you say, a relationship with God is like a drug addiction. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Just why? tell
2: me why. Once you taste so it, the the relationship and, and the beauty of it, why would you want
0: to give it An obsession. Absolutely. You have to have that it. My body out. has to have it. Yes. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> so everywhere. If I'm not going to use something as twisted as drugs, what else can I use? Can I use sex? Well, that can be twisted too, but it doesn't. <laughs> okay. no, in fact it wasn't intended to be twisted it was meant to be as a perfect representation of an intense relationship that cannot be matched any other way so I'm going to describe the Torah as a mm. Or, why, if I'm going to describe the Torah as a relationship, why wouldn't I describe it as a story? Mm. right?
2: does
0: that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. is there any other way that I can convey to you the relationship that's being expressed. I'm sure, a couple. Can I see any
2: more? Yes. He's, he
3: were I, I, he's I, in. He's I that. add something there. Yeah. I, I think it can relate to a parent and a child. Absolutely.
0: Very good. It. Sure. Excellent. What other ones? Shepherd sheep. <laughs> Shepherd sheep. Oh, we're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> What if I were to describe the sweetness of this relationship, or the tumultuous husband and wife? I want to say (laughs) turbulent, (laughs) tumultuous, tumultuous Tumultuous relationship. Okay, she's a Latin woman, or she's a Latin, it's a Latin man, right? True. True. Can I get another? What about parole officer and parolee? Very good. Mm. Okay. It's a relationship, not a love relationship, (laughs) not a very nice feeling, but it describes but it describes something absolutely
2: what happened. You taught another class years ago and you described the relationship as dancing. That's right.
0: And But you remember that dancing relationship? It was kinda weird. It was was stone. Or just moving really slow.
2: But but if you've, if you've ever learned is ballroom dancing. Dancing, is dancing, you know, one leads, the other follows, have to have you have to be close, and, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. It's okay. a great sound. So, so like sound we're agreeing yeah, like, that at least, at the very
0: beginning, can we all agree yes. that the love story relationship okay. seems to be a pretty good way to try and explain yeah. our relationship with God. Yes. Okay. Rabbi Akiva called Song of Songs the Holy of Holies. In the forward of this book, which is a great book, I encourage you, if you ever have some money to get, or money laying around, but if you want to buy books, which you should always do, this for the thing. is a good book. <laughs> actually, good thing. Guttnick doesn't do this, uh, but I can promise you that that uh, all of the rabbis, especially all the Rebbe, would love this. Yes, this is Shir uh, Hasharim, uh, and this is, uh, actually it's good it says a new translation and commentary and anth- a- anthologized from the Talmudic, Midrashic, and Rabbinic sources. The primary source unfortunately, they do not put right on the cover <laughs> is Rashi. Wow. We will be talking Rashi tonight. We're going to look at Rashi's if you live your homework, you know this already. We're going to look at Rashi's view of Song of Songs. But Rabbi Akiva called the Song of Songs in the forward of this book they say wow, anybody that ever thought this was about some sort of Relationship? How dare they! This is the holy, Holies. Mm-hmm.
5: Well,
0: that sounds a little bit like maybe some Puritans would also have said, right? So that's the cop out. People go, "Wow, well, it's, it's 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 an allegory. It's all homiletic of some sort. It doesn't really mean what it means." Then there's, of course, the earthy people that go, "No, no, no. Hebrew is about earthiness. You know, it's about pain and pleasure. We like drinking wine and eating bread." I could go along with that as well. I'm not asking you to make a choice between the two tonight. All I'm asking you tonight is to examine Rashi's commentary on <coughs> Song of Songs and ask yourself: Is this a good way of interpreting scripture?
1: Is this a good way of interpreting scripture, or is this a good interpretation of scripture? No, no, no. I'm not
0: asking you to pass. I'm not asking you to pass judgment on the interpretation. On the method. I want you to think about the method, because our discussion is not to arrive at conclusions in the language of the bridegroom. Our discussion is how do we learn the language, right? Right. I want to be sensitive to the language. So to be sensitive to the language, I have to be, I have to sometimes be creative. Would you agree? Yes. I didn't learn enough in school today, the upan, so I went to the (laughs) Shuk, So I could hear some people talking real Hebrew Mm -hmm. with an Arabic accent. (laughs) (laughs) So Rabbi Akiva called it the holy of holies. Because the intimacy in describing the relationship between HaShem and his people. Most Christian expositors would agree with that. They do. Most do. Especially Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody with a Puritan background is going to love this way of describing it. Because, whoa, that's a relief. <laughs> I don't have to go there. Right. right? It's allegorical. It's, uh, yeah, it's all allegorical. What the sages don't like is the way Christians did with it. Because basically they use songs to block out Israel. That's not about you. You thought it was about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was the old woman. We had a new woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is it literal or is it homiletic? And that's a trick question. Because this is what I want you to consider that we may not huh? It could be both. It could be both. This is what you may not have ever considered in your literal reading of Scripture. God bless you that you read Scripture literally. Is that we oftentimes, in a in a literal way, read allegory. I'll give you an example. And we're going to go into the rest of these. Days. Don't look at your outline. <laughs> this is actually a good, good example here. Uh, in in this in this in the foreword of the book, he, he, they they add this example. During the mid nineteenth century period of the most vicious czarist persecution of Jews, of Jews, Jews I saw a Z, <laughs> persecution of Jews. It was common for the leading rabbis to visit Saint Petersburg to, bleed, to plead the case for their people for the czar's ministers, from with the czar's ministers. During one of these visits, a Russian official asked a visitor how he could account for the many agotic tales in the Talmud, for which were patently inconceivable. You may have asked the same thing. How can we do these things? I mean, come on. Korak is still down there yelling, and if I go to a certain place in in the land, in, in this near the Sea of Galilee, okay, here I it. smell sulfur and hear him calling. what is he saying? Well, Moses yeah, tells the truth. Yeah. Well, Korak is a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Rabbi answered, "You know well. You know very well that the czar and his advisors have often planned to promulgate decrees that would or." order the expulsion of the entire Jewish population. If God had not mercy on us and thwarted your plans, the decree would have been written and placed before the czar for his signature. He would have dipped his pen in the inkwell and signed. His signature would have made final the greatest Jewish catastrophe in centuries. A poet might write that a drop of ink swept away three million people. All of us would understand what he meant. But a hundred years later, someone might read it and consider it nonsense. In the truth, the expression is apt and pithy. It is only a lack of knowledge that could lead a reader to dismiss it out of hand. Three million people done away by a drop of ink. So it is with many parables of our sages. They were written in the form of a far-fetched story to conceal their meaning from those who were unqualified to understand. None of us are qualified, so we laugh at the stories instead of lamenting our puny stature. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, the great uh, Rabbi Moshe Chaim mm-hmm. Uzzah. You have not read his books. Sure. So, literal or homiletic? sages taught scripture speaks in similes and parables. Uh, we all know that. We read Yeshua's words, we read his parables, we go, well, yeah. We see them as sermon illustrations. No problem, that's good. I like that, actually. I think that's a really good way to look at it. Because usually with a parable, you're only trying to make one point. No big deal. You're not trying to build an alternate universe. where Everything has to mat- 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 add up or line up. All you want to do is make the point. Unfortunately, Christianity has taken the parables of Yeshua and created theologies. Like, there's a place called Hades. And it's got a hot side, and it's got a cold side. And the good people go to the cold side. Well, that was until Jesus went there and took them all out. And the bad people go to the hot side. Well, that's where they stay until they get, and all Hades gets thrown, as Revelation tells us, gets thrown into a hotter place. That's right. What are we going to call this place, this cold place? Because, obviously, it's not Hades, is it? Actually, if you read Greek mythology, yeah, it is. <laughs> we'll call it something different because it doesn't sound right. Hades is something you used to swear with. We'll call it. Abraham's. <laughs> we'll call it Abraham's bosom, because Yeshua calls it that. No, it does. Yeshua doesn't call the place Abraham's bosom. It was at Abraham's bosom. Where's Abraham, by the way? Does anybody know where Abraham sits? Outside the gates of what? The hell. Gehenna. What does he do outside the gates of Gehenna? Check his Let me see. <laughs> are you are you? There you go. Yeah, you have you been circumcised? You don't belong here. This is not for you. He's outside the gates. So, this story of Father Abraham, or Father, excuse me, this story of uh, Father Abraham is meant to do what? To indicate that he rightfully understood his children would follow after and they didn't had no part in the worldly things of of this world, which is the ultimate destination of those who do not love God. Well, that's great, we got, we got no problem with that. So in Yeshua's parable, which was a parable, was lining up with that picture. But was that even the point of his parable? No, he's using common language, did I drop that? He's using common language, everybody knows that about Abraham. So he's telling the story, not about a person named Lazarus, he's telling the story for one per- single reason. What was it, do you remember? Repent now! Repent now! Yes, but why? He didn't say that. So he could get the you see get the rich man to say the words that he wanted to tell the people. What were the words? Yeah. Even if no Abraham said the words that a rich man challenged him. He says even if someone were raise from the dead, they still won't believe. There you go. That was it. That's that. <laughs> the whole and story who, is about that. And who was that man? That dead? That's right. He's talking about himself. How cool is that? Now, instead, we took that whole thing, that cool idea, and we created a whole theology that has nothing to do with that idea. Okay, so that's an example of taking a, an allegory or a parable and making it something that it's not. That is not Rashi's intent. It's not the sage's intent. And it's, honestly, it's not the intent of a lot of people to do that, maybe even if their analogy is wrong, or if their, their interpretation, rather, is wrong. But the key here is using poetic language. Why do we bother? And I I brought this up on Shabbat. Why do we bother going to a movie? Two hours to sit through a story you could tell in five minutes. It expresses a truth in a deeper way that reaches us on a level that factual recounting cannot. Not cannot, but will never. You can feel it. The only thing that matters to me when I'm in a movie is. uh, Now, maybe if somebody yells fire, I'll come out of this. Trans, <laughs> but I'm a part of the movie. It's my experience. I have not flown through the air like Superman, but it sure feels like I could sometimes <laughs> when I'm sitting there watching it, right? So I'm trying to get an experience that's not mine. We go, we we are we, the inner, that's the nature of entertainment. We want an experience that's not ours. We want an experience that is ours, and we want to know that other people have the same experience. That's why it's being used. The poetic language. Is the entertainment that pulls us in. But it's not just entertainment, because as as you said, we can't get that experience in any other way. Now if I watch a movie about life, real life, and those are the most shocking, because wow, this is boring. Yeah, boring. I already had that life. Right? I don't want to watch a movie about my life. I want to watch a movie about something <coughs> I don't normally experience. Right? So if I if I want to explain something best. I'm going to somehow use experiential language with you. That's what poetry does. At its really simple level literary the whole literary genre is about enveloping you in experience on the small level with poetry, with thought as you contemplate what you've just read or heard. And then on a deeper level, maybe with a maybe with a novel, especially with a literary novel where it's not simply. You know, guns blazing, but there's actually there's actually texture to the words as you read. Them. It gives you experience beyond simple words, simple facts. That's what poetry does. It's to give a convey an experience in a way that you can understand something that you otherwise would not be able to understand. And I gave you an example in the homework, the Shakespearean example. Let's what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. And of course, we know that Shakespeare wasn't, and Romeo, wasn't merely trying to describe uh, a sunrise or a moon. But he was trying to point out that even in the nighttime, <laughs> Juliet outshone everything, just like the sun outshines moon. Does she really have shine? I'm sure there was absolutely zero reflect. No, maybe she's kind of pale skin. Maybe a little bit of reflection off her skin. But other than that, no. All those words don't mean. But we don't have any problem li- reading them and re- reading them as literal. You understand? They are literal, they're literally explaining an experience. So, can we read Rashi? Uh, actually, this is this, this is the line that I thought was best for that. Thoughts being conveyed are otherwise indescribable. So when I read Song of Songs, and it's 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 not gritty, but it's it's pretty there. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not coarse, but sometimes it tends if you're not reading it quite right, it's like wow, that actually is in the Bible. <laughs> and especially if I don't read it in King James English, which that tends to tone it down. If I read it in Hebrew, whoa, man! I mean, water your eyes, kind of really explicit, very explicit. So the sages, are they bothered by this? I disagree with those that say that the sages, this is their, this is their answer to their uncomfortableness. They are gritty people. <laughs> they are, and if you read history of the sages, you know this. They're normal people. They don't got they don't have difficulties with this. Read the Talmud. They don't have difficulties with with you know, touchy subjects at it all. It doesn't have to be euphemized. They don't have to. They can speak it right out, man. <laughs> so I don't think that anywhere is this the, their intent. Certainly not Rashi, because Rashi goes to great extents. So let's look at the poetry. It's written in poetry in order to describe the relationship. In a relationship, experience that is otherwise indescribable. That's why I want you to focus on Rashi's words, is because if you start thinking about this, especially if you're married, but even if you're not married and you intend to be married, especially if you intend to be married and you already know that person, it's it's easy to see that there's an obsession here. Even if you've been married almost 35 years, like me, there's an obsession. I'm sorry, there just is. I can't get away from it. <laughs> she follows me around. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. The simplest, so, and this this is what I want you, Peter. This is special for you. The simplest meaning is that of a Jewish wedding and a marriage shared by those living a Torah life. Do you agree with that? Yes. I don't agree. I don't agree with it quite. Simplest meaning. But living a Torah life. They did. Is it possible? They didn't do anything. Actually, I think I think for the most part it's true. But you, at times, it has the shade of people who are not married.
1: Would you agree? I don't know, I can say that I'm fully, you know, fully read. Yes. Fully read, read it. It, it?
0: What What were you doing for the last year that we've been <laughs> doing this study? I gave you a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Rashi says, Solomon composed. Actually, that's just a repeat of what we already did. And actually, that wasn't a quote of Rashi, it's, just, it's a paraphrase, world's paraphrase of Rashi's forward to the book. All right, so let's get right into it. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Somebody read that to me in a good translation. Oh. ESV. I'm sorry, it. there is no good nick for this, so you'll have to read. Actually, there is, but I don't have it with you. Because um, it's part of the deal. Okay.
1: I have the... Please. The Song of... Is it ESV? Yeah. It is. Okay, that's
0: nearly inspired. That's good. <laughs> that's
1: as close to inspiration as we don't tonight. Yeah. <laughs> the Song of Songs, which is Shlomo's. These are... My we said These uh, headings? Are they that's part funny. of the scripture? Uh, you're welcome to read the
0: headings. I have no problem with that. Go ahead. That's, Go ahead. that's, Go ahead. that's not a heading, it's No, right. That is. actually is the title from the Hebrew as well.
1: It does. The she part? She it is feminine, yes. She it's
0: based upon know. the pronouns. Gotcha. Yes.
1: yes. Okay, so sh- she. Oh boy. Let him let let <laughs> him kiss <laughs> me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out, therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you, let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. So, back back in
0: the late 90s, this would have been uh, (laughs) Justin Timberlake.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Others, we will exult and rejoice in you, we will extol your love more than wine, rightly do they love you. She, I am very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me, because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept.
0: Okay, in the mechanical reading, I didn't say literary, in the mechanical reading of that, I would say that she's not Jewish. Or if she is, she's from southern Judah. (laughs) Well, she's very dark. I guess Jews, some Jews are dark today, but that's maybe just because a lot of intermarriage in, in uh, Arab lands. Or I, I thought know. the darkness
4: was implying She'd been outside working in the vineyards.
0: I think so too. Yes. So she's not. She's not a. She's not a cultured lady. She's probably got calluses on her hands. What else? She likes the man. She likes the guy. Uh, we we learn later on the man is definitely Solomon. The woman is unnamed. We can only make an assumption in the mechanical reading that the woman is the same woman all the way through. Although we never know that for sure. Okay? What else do we know about in the mechanical reading about the relationship that this woman has with this man? Is he an ugly guy? Unattracted?
1: No. Not to her. Oops.
0: So this is a popular dude. And it's somebody that other girls walk to, mm-hmm. not just her. Okay.
1: That's the he has an oily name, so most likely Italian. <laughs>
0: uh, and the vineyard part? Yeah, vineyard. So tell us about the vineyard. No, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, a mechanical <laughs> reading. A mechanical reading. She's just she's she's picking grapes, <laughs> man. Well, the the comparison.
5: Uh, he's, he's almost put. A, uh, he's compared to wine and, and other delicacies, perhaps. Or, uh,
0: well, no, no. I'm just taking. I'm just taking. Yeah. Well, she compares him to that, so she's using poetic language. Than, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. What are the worst okay. two?
4: He smells nice.
0: He smells nice, literally. I, I'm trying to not use "literally" because I want to encourage you. Is that verse two allegorically accurate? Literal. Huh? Verse What's two, it say? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Are we married or not?
5: That's where it
0: comes into question because
5: later on she's like, oh, I wish that we were brother and sister. Then we can kiss all the time. That's even weirder. That's so but wonderful. But here it's like, well, if they're not married, then this. Either it could be a could say well, this is simply yearning.
2: And this courtship thing is really off track.
5: <laughs> they, they're backslidden. That's right. <laughs> or if way. it is mechanical, then,
0: and they're not married, then I don't know. Well, I'm not imagine? trying to persuade you. I'm just trying to show you that it's, it's as or more, and we get deeper into that, I promise there's other problems. It's as or more difficult to accept accept a Literally. mechanical understanding of this as it is to accept an allegorical. Posture.
2: Well, look. If it's mechanical.
0: Thank you for using that word, guys. I appreciate that. Yeah.
2: If it's a mechanical understanding, then then the the, the woman in this story obviously has a desire for the man. Yes. Verse two. Very good. Um, if it's. Allegorical, the woman obviously has a desire for the man.
0: Wow! And is this a guy that's desirable? <laughs> um, Everybody yeah. would recognize it. He's, Therefore, he's the virgin He's lover. the best. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to find out later if it's a mechanical reading. This woman, if it's the same woman, is actually very young. Very young. Not too young, but very young. Older than 30. I <laughs> just want kind of to raise the point. It's
3: interesting in terms of desire, and we talked about the grittiness of those that book the Talmud. This may have been considered appropriate during that period of time. But during Jesus' time, the idea of desiring a woman was like committing adultery. Of course. But then later on in the Talmud, it was written that there's something called negia. You're not even supposed to touch That's right. a woman. Mm-hmm. But considered that You're not supposed to touch
0: to so what that? it says here. That's right. Look at the transition. Same people, though. That's the key. Same people. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves, and I'm not trying to get you to make a decision which way, because I think it can be both, but I want you to consider that an allegorical or a uh, poetic reading can be literal. So here's, the, here's what Washi says for that same verse. Verses 1 through 6, chapter 1. The song that excels all songs dedicated to God the king who, to whom peace belongs. God's command here, right? <clears throat> Communicate your innermost wisdom to me. And in loving closeness for your friendship. It's a little scripture, a lot of commentary. So the friendship is dearer than all earthly delights. Wine. Wine that's <laughs> like the scent, smell, like the scent of goodly oils is the spreading fame of your great deeds. Your very name is flowing oil. Therefore, have nations loved you? Upon perceiving a mere hint that you wished to draw me, we rushed with perfect faith after you. Onto the wilderness. The king brought me into his cloud pillared chamber. Whatever our travail, we shall always be glad and rejoice in your Torah. We recall your love more than earthly delights. Unrestrained, unrestrained, unrestrainedly do they love you. Though I am black with sin, I am comely with virtue. O nations who are destined to ascend to Jerusalem, though sullied as the tents of Kadar, I will be immaculate as the draperies of Shlomo. Oh, that's a cool Do not view me with contempt despite my swarthiness. Rashi had a different view of swarthiness than me. Swarthy to me is like a really big, dark guy. Sweaty. Big mustache. Sweaty yeah. guy. A woman with a mustache. <laughs> a woman <with> a, mustache. <laughs> a sweaty woman with a mustache. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rashi lived in a different age. Like Maybe that was popular. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Yeah>. well, yeah. <laughs> Do <not>, Italians. <laughs> I'm <laughs> getting off track here. <laughs> Do not view me with contempt despite my swarthiness, for it is but the sun. Which has gla- which has glared upon me. That's pretty good. Actually, it's kind of neat. You know, it says God is compassionate to us. Why? Because He understands we're but dust. That's that kind of that idea. So, what Rashi's done is he's simply given some other poetic words. They are poetic words <coughs> to the poetry of those verses. Rashi didn't have to grasp at it. he didn't make it up. He got it from a bunch of other people. But most of the men of his time and earlier, especially in the days of the Midrash, seven or sixth, seventh, eighth century, the common era. They read it and they go like, we got no problem with that. We know exactly what's going on. That's why they agreed. Questions, comments on those verses first?
5: (coughs) It's interesting that we can, if you're used to reading this as the majority of modern commentators do, is the mechanical, this is not allegory in any way to hear it allegorically can be can sound strange until we Excellent. realize that even the visible expression
0: mm-hmm. of the church interpreted it allegorically for fifteen hundred years. That's right, that's right. Only recently have they switched, maybe because of the popular popularity of Christian bookstores wanting to advertise sad <laughs> stuff. And so it's really <laughs> interesting though, to
5: hear some Christian interpretations, you kinda read this, you're like, ah, okay, I can I can maybe buy that. But with this, it's like, yeah, that's, that seems to fit
0: very ten- well. We were, we're describing an intense longing on the part of the man, Hashem, and on the part of this young woman. Intense longing. It yeah. can't be described any other way, mm-hmm. except if you've experienced that boy, I and what that feels like.
6: That experience, and even just in these first opening introductory verses, makes it uh, all the more clear to me. I mean, I've read this a few times. Uh, you know, it's not a, you know one of your frequent. Yeah, I'm going to read Song of Solomon today. I hope you're reading a Passover uh, I uh, Absolutely. Every week. But That's it's right. how much you know. just from the few comments that we've heard already. I think it's it's really important to understand that. Uh, I think in a lot of Jewish, you know, um, study halls that they don't allow the young men to begin study of this until they are married. Absolutely. And Absolutely. and just that the understanding of that depth, of that of that relationship, that intimacy that that we've already seen at just in these introductory verses,
0: it one can't comprehend yeah. that. You can't
6: identify.
0: You know, it's it's not us that made up this relationship that God revealed to us as a relationship between husband and wife. I mean that's the language he uses starting right off the bat in exodus. So, the song that excels all songs, Israel to Hashem, communicate your innermost wisdom to me. Again, in loving closeness. The whispers. Treat the Torah words as lovers' whispers. Israel to the nations, though I'm black with sin. Isn't that interesting? I find it very interesting. Because there's the notion that Judaism does not believe in original sin, which is true. But that somehow means that Judaism doesn't believe in personal sin, which is absolutely, unbelievably false. Alright, let's look at verse... Somebody read verses... Chapter 2, verses
2: 10 through 14. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you ornaments of gold studded with silver. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me... A sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi.
0: So I have a question before we get into the mechanical understanding of that. Yeah, oh, listen, oh. Listen, really? What do women? Oh, you're do you know a you're in chapter two. Right? Chapter two. Well, actually, that was pretty good, too. Oh, well, t- it's I'm still t- one. Yeah. Oh. T- t- oh. T- Sorry, t- no. Actually, but I want to I s- pause for a second because actually, this is going to come up later. So, what do women wear perfume for?
2: What do women wear perfume for? on which culture. culture?
0: All cultures. Okay. To smell good. To be attractive. What is to smell good? To appeal to Some women wear stuff that smells like rotten eggs, <laughs> you know, in other cultures, but it's right. to right. smell good. Yeah. Okay, so what do I care about smelling good for?
2: I, I think yeah. they do it to be pleasant to be around.
0: You think that's it? You think that's only it? No. I'm not saying people no. cognizantly go that. Why do human beings of this it's it's s- human species want to smell good?
2: To entice. To them? Attract, attract,
0: attract. To attract. To attract, but more importantly than attracting. attraction is not the only reason. Attraction is only a uh, small part of it. Memory. Of memory. It's the same reason. It's, it's, it's about not. it's about establishing patterns that are cannot be found anywhere else. More powerful memory patterns through our sense of smell yeah. than even drugs. I mean, like, really powerful for memory. That's true.
4: I noticed that in a lot of stores or hotels you You'd stay in, this? and even some <laughs> churches now are trying to do the yeah. scent thing. Where you, churches are? Yeah, where you just, it smells like a... Like a, a hotel? A church, so you come...
5: Hopefully, it's a good experience. You the church, new church was well, no.
7: true. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never think of my grandmother's house <laughs> this morning, because she was always baking. And so you uh-huh. walk into the house, and there was just always this permanent you know, kind of baking Bravey
0: smell. Gravy smell. I smell, I, if I smell I eucalyptus, I can <throat> think of my <laughs> grandparents' house in Detroit, <laughs> Michigan. Forty five years ago. Yeah. More than that, fifty yeah. years ago. Because yeah. their bathroom always smelled like <laughs> elliptus. <and laughs> <and laughs> that's a bad that's <laughs> a bad memory. I mean you get good and bad memories. But it's good, pleasant memories, that's exactly right. You're establishing memories. A hint, young men, early marriage. This is very important. Doesn't seem like it would be important, <laughs> it's very important. Establish memories. Establish memories every mm-hmm. single way that you can. Amen. And yeah. scent is one of them. And then do it for your kids. That's right.
2: I got chapter two ten. Thank you very much. My beloved speaks and says to me, "Arise, my love, my beauty, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past; the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth; the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away." Oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely.
0: Well, that was very sweet. That very was all. Okay, that, less was, ex- like, ex- that was like lovey W, not too bad. Um, another thing about this book is great. Rashi's the text. The commentary is not Rashi, and the ra- commentary is all messianic reference. Rashi doesn't tend to go very messianic. Very. Good. Why is it important that Rashi wrote this text? Anybody know? Why is it significant that he would write an allegorical interpretation as the text for Song of Songs? He's not why? an allegory
2: he's guy.
0: He's not an allegory guy. No. He's, a he's a little guy. He wants the it. Mechanical. <coughs> oh. There's times when Rashi's not mechanical. When is it? When it's Messianic. Yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah, he allegorizes it away. He does. That's exactly right. And why? And why? Because Rashi lives in Catholic France. That's, that's and it's his constant trouble and consternation. These people just want to debate every single day. They just buy my wine. they got to debate. They keep sending you know, preachers. The Pope sends people to talk to. Him, right? Yeah. So Rashi's sensitive to that. But here, he's gone for this interpretation, which is dramatic. I mean, it really is for Rashi to say this stuff. is pretty amazing. Messianic
6: but the commentary, just to encourage
0: you, the commentary, man, it's got tons and tons of Messianic stuff. Tons of Messianic. So, what do you think? That wasn't too off-color.
1: I didn't use nard, which is one of my favorite words. Well, no, that was actually previous
0: on the previous verse. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we left the nard away. That would have been a good discussion.
1: I would have remembered that.
0: <laughs> Here's Rashi. My beloved called out... So, if you have your text, follow along with me here. My beloved called out the, the, your text of your Bible, rather. My beloved called out and said to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and go forth. For the winter of bondage has passed. Mm. The deluge of suffering is over and gone. Mm -hmm. The commentary here is very messianic. This must be the times of Messiah. The righteous blossoms are seen in the land. The time of our song has arrived, and the voice of your guide is heard in the land. Remember, she talks about his voice. The fig tree has formed its small... First small figs, ready for ascent to the temple. The vines are in blossom, their fragrance declaring they are ready for libation. Arise, my love, my fair one, and go forth. O oh, my dove, tra- trapped at the sea, as if in the clefts of the rock, the concealment of the terrace, Sh- terrace show me your pra- prayerful gaze. This is, this is Hashem. Prayer- show me your prayerful gaze, and let me hear your supplicating voice. For your voice is sweet and your countenance is comely. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the thought? Have you thought about the thought how God must be drawn to his people? We say we're the smallest of people. We have have nothing in us that would make us desirable. We know that. But he finds us desirable. That's just a remarkable thought. How would you convey that if he didn't use poetic language? Mm. I can say it doesn't mean anything. God, he's king of the universe. He not need him nothing. Yet we are describing a man who needs this woman. Right? Israel says, and then she quotes him. My beloved called out and said, Arise, my love. So all of that was a quote. She's quoting what he said to her. When did he say that to her? When did he say this stuff to her? And the Torah and the prophets are These words. God said these things to Israel. How else can we explain? You know, we like to explain it away with what God keeps His word," which makes it all sound very crass. There's no love in that. I'm sorry, there just is. You know, I'm sorry the judge made me do it. And I'm going to do it because I said it would, and if I don't do it, then I'm going against my word. There's nothing like that. God doesn't do things simply because He said He would. God they, does things because everything is His will. He wants to I agree with that although I would say
7: the fact that he's bound by his word he is bound by his word or the fact that and it's the he highest. should be bound by our word that's right
0: should allow somebody to take comfort and his his name is the highest reason for his re- doing things but we should, simply shouldn't shove it away right. and say well that's done with and it's, it's all very cold it really is that's not at all God if God's about a relationship, it's not about coldness. It's about it's about fierce love. Fierce how do I say fierce? How's it fierce love? I'm not just say passion. fierce love. Why is it fierce love? He hates Israel's enemies. He hates them. He says he does. And he's jealous. And he hates when Israel is unfaithful to him. He hates that. Why? Because it's a relationship. Right? It's not simply I said I would and so I have to. Although, again, his name is the highest reason for his faithfulness. Here's the young brown belt. Mm -hmm. He saluted me. I don't think that's a brown belt. All right, let's move on. Somebody get Judah out loud. Can I just uh, raise a point? You're talking about the blossom
3: there. And I think about the story that Jesus told about the seed think, yeah. in four different areas, but there was good some seed, seed on good soil, and you would think it was seed that listened to His word. So that sort of maps to this. But the irony is that this was written about a thousand years before Jesus said. But yet,
0: this is about what happens after That's right. Jesus. Isn't exactly. that interesting? It foreshadows. It is. We're on, uh, we're on Song of Songs, verse 4, Judah, so find down chapter 4, verse 6. Somebody read Song of Songs, chapter 4, verses 6 through 12 oh, yeah. in your mechanical version, please. <clears throat> None of them are mechanical. Too.
6: Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the top of Senir, the summit of Hermon, from the lion's dens and the mountain haunts of the leopards. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride! How much more pleasing is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice? Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like that of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a
0: sealed fountain. Wow. That's pitch. That's but even if you take a mechanical reading, what's wrong with a mechanical reading?
5: Or from the not being married part. Well, that, what else? The sister bride. The sister bride, that's a problem. What else? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's not a problem in the sense of believers. Well, no, yeah, but,
0: yeah. Well, so, was that being be an think, okay.
5: and From what I understand, the word for sister in Hebrew yeah. carries with it. It's an intimate relationship with it's someone who's not... So it doesn't have to be literally your sister. In fact, I've been told that you shouldn't use that word in modern Hebrew. Prefer to like, like you could say, "Hey, brother, how are you doing?" You shouldn't do that to other women because that doesn't sound right.
3: Interesting. <laughs> it isn't interesting in the Catholic Church, women that take vows to be nuns, that become brides of Christ, are called sisters. Mm-hmm.
7: Even in the Protestant, that's true. Church, I mean, mm-hmm. this young man calls me brother Greg all the time. Yeah, I that because
2: that's the tradition of his background. So. We're, we're trying to break him of that, but it's it's. it's a long how time. about another problem? <laughs> this, here, this is the king writing this,
0: <laughs> and he's talking about Mount Hermon. Now we just heard that she's not from northern Israel. She's not from northern Israel, and she's in Lebanon. And now she's up near Lebanon. <laughs> And what else? She's living in a cave with leopards. I mean, as long as she's in the vineyard, and now she's Leopard Woman. So she's like a Tarzan, female. <laughs> she's very earthy. She's earthy. Well, we knew that she was earthy anyway. She she picks grapes, right? And she's Nardi. We didn't have the word nard, but there it's there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we understand the poetic language. We you know even if you read it mechanically, you have to know that there's poetic language in it. You don't take everything. Li- you don't take everything literal. You just don't. No one does. You can't. It's it's interesting that
6: what, the way he describes the sweetness of the honeycomb and the milk and honey in relation to the tongue. That always reminds me of Proverbs five and how we should beware of women of such of such nature.
0: Absolutely, and that, I was going to bring that up with regard to fragrance. We see the same. We see that we see the enemy using the same tools for the for a similar purpose to create a relationship to draw. Unfortunately, it's a it's bad purpose because it's to draw us away from our true love, right? So, you know, the, the the notion that somehow that because fragrance can do that that it somehow has a negative connotation is very unfortunate. And I know it's in popular culture, it's very easy to come away with that. I mean, everything's not obsession. You know? but if you see that, you kind of go, wow maybe that's not good stuff. You need to stay away from all that kind of idea. You know, we can all just wear black and white and Smell a little bit like BO all the time. <laughs> 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 Memories. Otherwise, we might we might succumb to being a little bit too sensual.
3: Well, he was French. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to uh, mention just the bride. Uh, Solomon talked about the bride of one's youth, and in uh, Christian replacement theology, the uh, Christian Church is considered the Israel. replacement for Israel, or the later bride, Israel. but Israel is the early bride. And then Solomon said, go back to the bride of your youth. Oops.
5: Well, never mind. Supersessionists can't stand on any leg, much less two legs. (laughs) legs,
2: Verse verse 12 has me just completely be Okay, read it again. Maybe I'm not, you know, uh, a a poet here. Uh. A garden locked Mm. is my sister, my bride. A spring locked, a fountain sealed. I just, I need to hear what Rashi says because I just. Well, okay, um, but you got to
0: tell me the mechanical reading first. You got to come up with a mechanical reason.
1: Well, I saw I'm a little confused.
0: Hebrew, anybody got Hebrew
1: there? What do you mean by mechanical reading? When
0: I say mechanical, I'm saying reading it. I'm trying to avoid using the word literal because I don't want us to use the word literal incorrectly. We're allowed to make use of the metaphor. No, no, no. That
1: would be non-mechanical.
0: Mecha- so, a mechanical translation is a word-for-word word translation from one language to another.
1: So literally, my sister is a locked garden. <laughs>
0: yeah. There you go. Like herbage. Exactly. <laughs> herbage. Okay. Or, exactly. So you understand <laughs> the problem. Me, you yeah. see or the or problems. Virginity. <laughs> virginity. <laughs> well, Friginity. So great. Would not so even good. if I start, well, no, no, I'll wait. Start with mechanical. That's where I would have gone. Take one layer away. Okay, we can start using a little metaphor to be able to convey something. See, this is the problem that we have in Scripture. People can't say, well, I just read the Scripture literally. Well, thank you, I'm glad that you do, and actually I appreciate what you mean by that. But you don't. So we have lush infernal foliage. Of course we read it with an understanding language. If you've ever heard me say anything, I hope you've heard me say, God speaks in the language of men for a reason. He speaks through men, imperfect men. For a reason, because he wants to be understood by, by men. The well, women do, so, <laughs> so if you take a layer away, and then you're removing the virginity. <laughs> exactly. Okay. There you go. See. So if I can get, if I can get one past the mechanical, just a little bit, just, I'm still playing the game. And you know, how far do I go? Right. Am I? Am I? You tell me. You're the one that was giving me grief over this. You tell me. Am I getting too far away from the little when I do that, or? No,
1: I don't. I don't think so. I just think, I mean, you can't take it mechanically, for sure. You can't. Because that would be stupid.
3: It would be. I agree. (laughs) 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 But this
1: verse, for sure. It's like,
3: what? What does this mean? Let's work with that. Jesus talked about being born again. Remember, he had that conversation. You can't be born again. That's insane. But that's what this refers to. Exactly. Israel will be born again. That's right. Virgin again. That's right. That the fountain will be seen. Isn't that something?
0: Yeah, Yeah, very good.
7: So maybe this is what Jesus was thinking Maybe.
0: He's speaking the language. He knows the guy how to talk, right? All right. So, here's Rashi. Yeah, let's get the Rashi. Oh, I <laughs> see. Everyone wants to skip ahead to Rashi. <laughs> <laughs> this is Hashem speaking. Oh, well, it's complicated. This is Hashem speaking. Until my sunny benevolence was withdrawn from Shiloh. Was, when was that? Remember the promise? Eli. Hey, um, Ellie, right? Okay. Until my sunny benevolence was withdrawn from Shiloh, and the protective shadows were dispersed by your sin, I will go to Mount Moriah and the hill of Frankincense, where you okay. will be completely fair, my beloved. So, what's that alluding to? Solomon is writing this. It's in, it's in his lifetime, or it's
3: in it is mere world. historical experience. But well, what's interesting is the last verse, myrrh was mentioned, and Frankincense it. was mentioned. We're I, gonna I, get
1: the so, three gifts. so Mount Moriah being like the place of the temple, the temple. Right. so the presence is removed, the presence is going to come back. Exactly. Like so he says, the
0: hill of Frankincense, where you're completely fair, my beloved, and no blemish will be in you. With me will you be exiled from the temple. Wait, we don't We're even th- have a temple yet. O oh bride, with me from the temple until you return. Well, hold on, but we don't have a temple yet. That's right. Solomon, who's going to build the, the temple... If he's thinking is thinking here, as he's writing these words, that's pretty profound. That's prophetic. I'm going to build this temple. Our sin's going to, with God's presence, is going to withdraw from this just like it did at Shiloh. But do we, do we do we know that this was written before he built the temple? It's about the same time. Yeah.
4: And, and, and even if it was,
5: David had already, had already made preparations. That was well, definitely on the... So spice.
4: he's being...
0: But if, if he, and I'm not saying he does, but if he has any sort of kind of an idea like Rashi does here, he's got to be thinking, wow, that's really cool. Oops. Well, <laughs> it's <laughs> happened before. It's going to happen
3: again.
7: The Hebrew is Lebanon. Yeah. What Which is Lebanon? Is,
0: well, it's, it's a temple.
7: The, all all it, the wood. It, it's because the, the sweaters of Lebanon. Right. Were the wood that was used. Mm. So Lebanon is another name. The for for you to
0: really actually appreciate Rashi, you'd have to spend a year or Rashi's uh, enthal, or uh, allegory here. You'd have to spend a year reading studies because that's exactly the case. He just not, he's not making his stuff up. He's actually he's not going. Well, I think this would work. <laughs> he's actually, he actually has a reason. He comes to Lebanon and goes. Well, we know what Lebanon is. That's the temple. Right, that's why he's Rashi. Yeah, that's why. He's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> <knows about him>. <laughs> <laughs> so. With me will you be exiled from the temple, O bride. With me from the temple until you return, then to contemplate the fruits of your faith. Now he's seen God's withdrawal from the temple in a future time as being similar to the withdrawal from Shiloh because of sin.
2: And he recognizes, as all the sages did, that even in exile, Messiah is with him. He's still there. He's exactly exile right.
0: with him. Excellent. Okay. It says, until you return. And the assumption is they will. But let's just worry
3: about the fruits of one's faith. When we first hear about fruit in Genesis, it was the fruit that led to what? Led to sin, right? Led well, to be exile. To. Now this is just the opposite. It didn't have to. It could have been a fruit, fruit for righteousness.
0: righteousness. Could have eaten from the tree of life, life as opposed to the tree of knowledge. No. He chose Plato. He chose poorly. The
3: right? was <laughs> 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 that fruit was a vehicle that led to sin. This right. fruit is a vehicle that leads to the opposite. Exactly.
0: Contemplate the fruits of your faith from its earliest beginnings, from your first arrival at the summit of sneer and the mountains, and the mountain of Hermon. the lands of the mighty Sichon and Og. What's he talking about there? In uh, that? Well, no. It was Sichon and Og. Who's he talking? What's he talking about? He's talking about the first, first. Coming into the land, right? that's right. It's exactly right. As impregnable as impregnable dens of lions and mountains of leopards. How cool is that? Yeah. So he sees leopards and lions as a reference to Og and Siquo. Impregnable. You captured my heart, my sister. O no. uh, Obride, you captured my heart, but with one of your virtues, with but one of the precepts that adorn you like beads of a necklace resplendent. Mm. How fair was your love in so many settings, my sister, O bride! So so superior is your love to wine, and your spreading fame to all perfumes. The sweetness of Torah drops from your lips, like honey and milk. It lies under your tongue. Your very garments are scented with precepts, like the scent of Lebanon. As chaste as a garden locked, my sister O'Brien, a spring locked up, a fountain sealed. Which so she's not frigid. She's reserved for one. But mm-hmm. well, what's interesting though is
7: she's, on the one hand, she's not chaste because he's already said, "Look, because of your sin, I've left you low, Right? Yeah, but he calls her back. He calls her chaste. But he calls her chaste, which, which is what the prophet
0: said. Absolutely. So that God himself will remove all, all your sin. Iniquity. In fact, not only remove it, so that when we read in Ezekiel 37, he, they're going to be like the pinnacle of virtue.
2: No blemish will be made. No blemish.
0: Pure. Right. Not just erased. Pure. Hmm. Sounds and like the fall. nations will say that. Uh, let me you also, the last thing
3: we read uh, for the Sabbath was about Shiloh was the blessing that was right. given by mm-hmm. Jacob. But what's interesting is here Shiloh really refers to the Messiah, but this refers to leaving Shiloh right. as That's a right. sin, which yes. suggests that when the people abandoned the Messiah, that was the sin. So
0: this is sort of a denouement, if I can. But I, I, would, I, I, have to, I have to look into, I don't know if it's the same spell, Shiloh. Um, it's one, sort of, I think, a different place. Because there's a debate on what Shilo exactly. means in the Talmud with regard to the spelling. Because yeah. so I don't know if it can it's spell the same as the place. So. And also it can be his too. And, yeah. Because right. actually there's it's uh, whether the word's damaged. There's no, no resolution, resolution to that. Yeah. There's no just wrong spelling. Anyway, let's move on. That's a good point. though. All right, let's. Uh, we're getting close. I, I wish you could have done the whole thing. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I had a it, it was really <laughs> cool reading lot here. But uh, Song of Songs yeah, 60- sixty, so huh? You have a yeah. You can yes, it's in the kabbash as well. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so if you're reading in Passover time, that is what you should be reading. You should be reading Rashi. Honestly, you should. I mean, you can read King James; good, cool. But then you need to read Rashi. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it won't have any correlation to Passover. <laughs> uh, Song of Songs four sixteen b through five six. Somebody read that for me, if you would please? Blow
4: upon my garden let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its its choicest fruits. He. I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my mirth with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Others. Eat, friends. Drink. And be drunk with love. She. I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my love My dove, my perfect one For the head is wet with dew My locks with the drops of the night I had put off my garment How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet How could I soil them? I, My beloved put his hand to the latch And my heart was thrilled within me I arose to open to my beloved And my hands dripped with mirth My fingers, my liquid mirth on the handles of my belt I opened to my beloved But my beloved Had turned and gone
0: Okay, so let's leave the mechanical Just a little hair here <coughs> You've already heard What Rashi's doing What do you think Rashi's going to do here? What's being described? Is this a relationship that's You three Becoming closer Or something else? Something that's like some there's you know, of They're missing each other. They're, they're missing separated. each other. Yeah, in fact, you see that a lot through chapter 4 and 5. There's like, I was here and you were there. Why aren't we ever together? Right?
6: I think the milk and the wine mentioned together is also reminiscent of this past week's portion. Also, when it spoke of, you know, the, their eyes will be red with wine and their teeth white with milk. It's got some... There, miss you. typically find those two mentioned very often in scripture
0: together? Frankly, I don't know why I started with sixteen B because I need to read all 16. Anything else on that? The mechanical <coughs> rendering not be real difficult, except okay. So Solomon, there was this unknown girl. Wow, man, he had a thousand wives and concubines, and he's chasing this one girl. and never gets married to her apparently. Always so wanting to get married to her, but she's like, what, what a term, you know, what a tumultuous relationship It's like. You know, did they ever really have a relationship? Apparently, it's just some sort of puppy love or something. You know? Infatuation. Infatuation. Obsession.
1: Girl, one thousand and
0: one. Exactly. It's <laughs> like you know, boy. Solomon has this down. He, he's uh, he's using language that everyone through the history of humanity can somehow relate to, even if it's not your culture. This is a culture we want to be relating to, though. So let's read what Rashi says here. Starting in verse 16a. Awake from the north and come from the south. Like the winds, let my exiles return to my garden. What was garden? Did you did you, did you get a glimpse of what garden was that Rashi would think the garden is? What's the, what do you think Rashi thinks is the garden? Temple of the courtyard. Temple the courtyard. He's going to do a little shift here. Listen. Return to my garden. Let their fragrance, fragrant goodness flow in Jerusalem but let my beloved come to his garden and enjoy his precious people. Mm. To your tabernacle dedication, my sister O'Brien This is God speaking, Excuse me, Hashem speaking to uh, Israel. To your tabernacle dedication, my sister O'Bride. I came as if t- uh, to my garden. I gathered my burn. In other words, the temple was a replacement for the tabernacle. It was not the same as, it was... It was accepted as the same as, but it wasn't his garden at first. He accepted it as his garden. Well, and really, this pulls, it's also pulling on
7: imagery of you know, the original garden. Yeah. exactly Pagana Den, which was it. this place where there was, prior to the fall of Adam and Chava, there was this perfect relationship. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah. And they were they were together, they walked, and God would walk with them. With them and, and Solomon knows this this imagery, because he builds the temple much like the tabernacle, not completely, obviously it's different dimensions and everything, but even the adornments inside, they're not exactly the same as the tabernacle, but they're similar, he puts palm trees, he puts, uh, he has olive, uh, of course, but he has palm trees, and he has uh, carob everywhere. Which the tabernacle has as well. well. Why is there in there? It's not because angels are around God. <laughs> they are, but that's not the reason why. It's supposed to remind us that the way to the tree of life is guarded. That's why it's on the it's on the uh, on the on the curtain uh, leading to the holy holies. Good, very good. I came to my garden. I gathered my myrrh with my spices uh, from from your princely incense. Now God is speaking to Israel. From your princely incense, I accepted you unbidden, as well as your bidden offerings to me. I drank your libations as pure water. Eat my beloved priests. It says eat my friends. Eat my beloved mm-hmm. who are the friends of God? Levi. Yeah. Eat my beloved priests, drink and come. God intoxicated, O friends. That's pretty good. Let my devotion slumber, but the God of my heart. This is Israel, excuse me. Let I let my devotion slumber. But the God of my heart was awake. It sounds like Paul in chapter seven of Romans. You know, I wanted to, but I fell asleep. You know, I wanted to, but part of me wants to, and part of me doesn't. Or Yeshua speaking to his disciples on the, on the night of his of his death. Uh, Open my heart to me, my sister, my love. Excuse me. No, wait. Excuse me. But the God of my heart was awake. A sound. My beloved knocks. And then she hears. Open. No, actually. Yeah, she hears him speaking. Open your heart to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfection. Admit me, and my head is filled with dew like memories of Avraham. Spurn me, and I bear collections of punishing reins as exile knights. I have doffed my, my robe of devotion. How can I, this is her speaking now, how can I don it? I've washed my feet that trod your path. How can I soil them in anger at my recalcitrance? My beloved set forth his hand from the portal and wrath, and my intestines churned with longing for him. I rose to open for my beloved. My hands dripping myrrh, dripped of myrrh, repentant devotion to Torah and God, and my fingers flowing with myrrh to remove the traces of my foolish, foolish rebuke from the handles of the lock. I opened. I opened for my beloved, but alas, my beloved had turned his back on my plea. My soul departed at his decree. I sought his closeness, but I could not find it. I beseeched him, but he would not answer. do you know Israel's history? What do you think this was? Exile. It began in not just Babylonian exile, because that was 70 years. We're talking about the exile of, of 70 of the Common Era. And then mm-hmm. all of the years of diaspora right. since right. a you know, 1900 plus year exile. It's like, wait, I was ready. I repented. I came. I knew it was my fault. I knew the relationship was broken because of my infidelity. And I'm here now. Where are you? He le- he's left. He's turned his back. What should the bride do? What should the woman do? Oh, well, let find another guy. So, we have all the names here of what we just read. It's, it is really—I mean, it's almost—it's almost Shakespearean, isn't it? The picture that's being played out here. I mean, why is Romeo and Juliet Juliet's so popular? It's not because of stupid fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> all right. It's not. Well, not all fourteen-year-olds are stupid, but they were stupid. You know, it's not because of that. Why? Why is it so popular? Because it conveys an obsession that we can't explain. Right.
2: That's
0: right. So, move on. Chapter six. Somebody
4: read chapter 6 Verse 2 through 4 got it. She, my beloved, has gone down to his garden To the beds of spices To graze in the gardens And to gather lilies I am my beloved's And my beloved is mine He grazes among the lilies He You are beautiful as Tirzah My love, lovely as Jerusalem Awesome as an army of banners.
0: Okay, you can see it's mechanical reading where just we can really, leave. We have to leave it now. <laughs> <laughs> she's all over the place. She's in she's in the desert. She's in the vineyards. She's in the Mount hermit, She's in a leopard's cave. <laughs> now she's in Jerusalem. Well, that ought to put her into it. she's only got a thousand other women to get get past to get to Solomon, right? Anything else? There's something interesting. Yeah. Anila Dodi, the That's right. Yes. The month of Elul, month of repentance. This is this is the Kabbalists' reading. Oh. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I am to my beloved, as my beloved yeah. is to yeah. be recited
0: at weddings. A... And yeah. and so as we at... always see, it's always the call to repentance. Yeah. Elul is the call to repentance. Mm-hmm. Aniladodi. Yeah. Alright. Yes, yeah, so it is recited at weddings. You like that? Which is what s- inspires.
7: And, and this is also um,
5: the Shia uh, Shirim is also recited prior to uh, making Kiddush on Friday nights and right. every home, as well as the the, the, the other s- the prayers that go before it, Lecha uh, Dodi, which are all all um, dovetailing off of this. And it's funny because then the, the the song that we also do, Kochavim uh, Balayla a lot of the lila parts come,
6: come from the Psalms. It does, so it's almost yeah. like they're, they're bookends for the Shabbat. So very well. true.
0: Very true. Which which stands to reason, if you think about it, because what are we doing on Shabbat? We're remembering Passover. Yeah. Why is the Passover important? Well, we are free from pr- prison. No, that wasn't why the Passover was important. Why the Passover is important is the king of the universe came and said he wants us as his people. That's cool. Good. And he did everything he could to, to, to make us his people. Yeah. And so what is Shabbat? It's that little picture. Of the Passover story, expressed as a as a hint, of what is to come, this is, future.
6: This is almost like Yeshua's being on earth. He, he was bouncing all over the place. He was here. He was he was preaching here and there. And finally, he was in one place. He's in Jerusalem.
0: That's true. That's true. We're ending up in Jerusalem. All right. I'm gonna read from Rashi here before I get pass out. Chapter six, verse two through four. My beloved has descended to his temple garden. This is Israel speaking. My beloved has descended to his temple garden, to his incense altar. Yet still he grazes my brethren, remaining in gardens of exile, to gather the rosent rosent fragrance of their words of Torah. Hmm. I alone am my beloved. My beloved is is mine. He who grazes his sheep in rose-like pastures. Hashem, you are beautiful, my beloved. When your deeds are pleasing... As comely now, as once you were in Jerusalem the whole, hosts of angels, stand in awe of you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. So what would this be describing, though? What's Rashi trying to convey? The relationship, obviously, but he's using this language that also speaks prophetically. You may not have ever thought of Song of Songs as prophetic, but that's what Rashi's doing here. Why is this prophetic? How is this prophetic? This envisions a time when the temple is restored, but there still is a diaspora, which means there is something you are still waiting for. Well,
2: Rashi's writing this a thousand years before after we even have a land, And a thousand years before you know any of this, right? So he's talking about, him in, in the future, coming back to his temple garden. Yeah. And yet, he mentions that um, he's. They're still spread. There yeah. still is they're still his. Your brethren are still. There and they have to be drawn in. Yeah. Pretty cool. it's, it's so cool. Uh, Jesus also <coughs> said,
3: "My sheep know who I am, and I know who my sheep are." Mm-hmm. that's sort of corresponds. <laughs> <to Yeah>, that's <laughs>
0: that. right. Yeah.
3: I'm my beloved. My grazes beloved
0: and, the, and the and the idea of fields. And of course, the Kabbalists who first came back to the land of Israel in the 17-1800s they, you know, up in spot. They you know, this is their famous and, and the Shabbat or Shabbat, you know, the famous times like we're going, the king is in the field, you know, we're gonna go out, we're gonna welcome the queen, Shabbat, uh, as God welcomes Israel, and the talk of the field being a place of fragrance, yeah, it's very reminiscent of that whole idea. All right, eight we're almost done. Eight, three, three, five. Somebody read eight, three through five. Let his left hand be
5: under my head, and his right hand embrace me. I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken my love until it, until she pleases.
0: It's a homeschool verse here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this coming
5: up from the wilderness, <laughs> leaning on her beloved? Beneath the apple tree, I awakened you.
0: There, your mother was in labor with you. She was in labor and gave you birth. That's pretty good. We already get some picture here. It's like, who is this? Anytime we hear, who is this? Of course, we immediately are reflective of that whole revelation, you know, panorama of who is this? <coughs> or as the prophet said, who is this who comes up from Basra with robes dripped in blood? Or as we see him in Revelation 19, wearing a robe that is red with the blood? Oh, or grapes. No, no, it's just grapes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we, we get kind of that picture right there, right? Rashi's not stretching too far, I don't think. Anything else on the qu- mechanical reading? What do you
3: guys Yeshua sure, say about the left hand and the right hand in terms of knowing what they're doing. What's right. that map to this?
0: Yeah. I don't know. His left hand supports my hand. is his right hand embraces me. I don't know, that's good. And his left hand reaches an yeah right. just So just, what is left hand, right hand? Okay, we got we got to lay the mechanical one. What's left hand, right hand? Sheep and goats. Sheep and goats, left and right hand. What else is
5: left and right hand? Well, the Talmud actually in, the, in yesterday's doc was talking good. about the the right hand for a teacher. He has if he has two disciples, the higher the disciples goes on the right hand, still behind
0: the teacher, and the, the other one goes to the left. So, but why? Consider my right hand is something. That's a, 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 How good? It's good. Why? Give me the gritty. What's my right hand for? Entry. Mm-hmm. No.
3: <laughs> Holding a no. sword.
0: No. It's eating. What's my left hand for? Bathroom. Defecating. That's right. So, right hand... Kids learn this early. Right hand, good. Bad hand, bad. <laughs> Binyamin. That's right. Son of. My okay, now baby. wash them all. <laughs> That's
2: right. Did, did you find it odd in verse 5 that he's coming up from the wilderness, leading? I oh, know it's the other way around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She's leaning on him. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay, so I thought it was the other way around, like. So how does
0: she come? So how does she come up from so the well leaning on him. Well,
2: Think like Rashi. She, she's she's uh, born on eagle's wings, as we read in the prophets.
0: Think like Rashi, though. But then Rashi's already started touching on the prophetic. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, well, that happens the, to me. The, the, the example
7: is the last time she came up from the wilderness okay that's the first which is which is when we, we came out of Egypt okay right? that's good and how did we lean on him we had a you know we had the cloud in the, in the right. Earth, right? we had the man. we had all this pro- all this provision that he provided yeah. for us as we came up
1: from the wilderness
7: very good mm-hmm. but, okay. but, what's, but what, what, he came. Okay, but what's okay, what okay now what's the I was from Ezekiel
0: okay okay or even or even more more plainly maybe Yakut Shimoni. what's it say it's like he's going to take us to the wilderness on Wiggles' wings. Right? <laughs> who is he? Who is Hashem? Hashem. No, not it. Hashem. It's Yalchut Shimon. It's Messiah.
5: Oops, we shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Israel. <laughs> do, you, do you have the Yalchut in English yet? No. I don't I need
7: it. Good job. I read it. Actually, day. Day. There's a now here, actually. on the list above Yalchut is Yalchut Mashiach. That's right. <laughs> that's... Uh, we got to get a collection of
2: them. We got to get. get
0: a <laughs> <laughs> we got to pay somebody. we are just gonna have to study harder, man. <laughs> What's cool is we don't get to stop. We have to keep it. collect a lot, make a library, and read it all. All right. So here's Israel speaking. Uh, this is eight verses three through five. Despite my laments in exile, so this is the diaspora. This is after the temple was destroyed. His left hand supports my head. And his right hand and embraces... His to the nations. That's right. I adjure you, O oh nations. So, what's she saying to them? It's like, listen, Hashem's hand supports my head. His right hand embraces me. How dare you?
3: And who's that in Hashem's right hand? Well, yeah, Messiah. So who I embraces him. them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How dare you? It's like, you, got, you know, the, you know like the, was it was it Rabbi Cook that said... You know the question is uh, who, uh, where was Messiah during, or where was, where was God during the, uh, maybe not, maybe it wasn't rabbinic. Anyway, where was God during the Holocaust? Holocaust? He says Hashem was with us in, in, in and, and lists a bunch of the uh, concentration camps. He was with us, and of course we extrapolate that. And the sages say the same thing. Uh, the say the modern sages say the same thing. saying the Messiah was with us in in the uh, messianic exile. The whole notion yeah. of, the of Messiah in exile. Yeah. absolutely. So. But Israel speaking to the nation says, Hashem, he supports me. He supports my hand, his right hand embraces me. So he's not only he's not only my defender, he's also the one who, who has a deep love relationship with me. <clears throat> Is this guy gonna defend this woman? In this story? Fierce. That's why I said fierce love. Fierce love says it's not just enough for me to make sure that we have all lovey-dovey time, but if anybody even gets close to you, he's finished. I mean, if a hair on your head is hurt, I will go all you know karate well, all over him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is almost like Exodus. For you know,
5: they've been at Exodus and left hand, and right hand. Um, it can be two different things, kind of like by day by night. Very good. It was it was slight like, it, it, it was they were in exile and now they've returned and God protects his people
0: so not only providing cover for them but also right. protecting them. Very good and,
5: and guiding them because if if they were to
6: go from his guidance they would probably be to
0: I adjure you oh nations destined to ascend to Jerusalem. When are they going to do that? When they want rain, <laughs> no, they want rain. It's like okay. <laughs> we gotta go again. That's the coat. We gotta go. <laughs> That's the difference between the nations and Israel. Israel doesn't go. It's Sukkot, coat. We gotta go. They go. It's Sukkot. My mother's stay? calling. <laughs> of nations destined to ascend a Jerusalem, to what vain purpose do you dare cause hatred and disturb this love while it yet gratifies? I like that better than the old school reading. Actually, sure. I do. <laughs> 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 How worthy is she who rises from the desert, bearing Torah and his presence, clinging to her beloved. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. I'm sorry the church can't, can't qualify. The church can't plug itself into Rashi here. It just doesn't work. <laughs> God calls her worthy. That's pretty profound. That goes back to Ezekiel 37. Not just erased. Not just forgiven. Pure. Mm-hmm. which is the picture of the temple you know when we went into the temple did we get forgiven you know you know, yes we were covered. absolutely but that wasn't the point we purified ourselves at his instruction before we went in we, we presented ourselves before him as pure I was just going to say um, it's interesting how you made the comment that the
2: church can't plug themselves in the Rashi uh one scripture that I've had in the back of my mind for uh, the past couple of days is Matthew 7, 23 and 24, mm-hmm. where uh, Yeshua says that many will come to me right. that day. Lord, Lord. Right, and He will say, I never knew you. And Tim Haig does an excellent job in
0: revealing what that means, and it can all be seen in this. You know, and the thing that's disturbing a lot about, of course, those of us who know the passage know that thing that's being described, people saying, Lord, Lord, did I cast out demons in your name, Then I not uh, heal the sick in your name, you know, even prophesy, all of those mm-hmm. things are seen as supernatural expressions of a relationship, and yet they do not equate to a relationship. Right. They're workers of pluralism. That's right. And that's the, his answer is? I'm a, yeah. I, don't I don't mean yeah. you, you, you don't even know what we're talking about here. What you thought it was it was about that? <laughs> you thought it was, it was about a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: let me just uh, underscore that. He also said, unless your righteousness
0: exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, they won't be able to enter the kingdom. That's right. Meticulousness. Oh, no, it's got to be just imputed. Imputed. Uh, there's there's, there's stock words. Yeshua's words, the words in red are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, uh, honestly, those are some s- very strong stinging, words. Stinging. You your heart <laughs> I do. As it turns out, I do. No wonder they're written in And I find it best to do it by doing it with my mouth. <laughs> but
2: I think uh, it's, it's noteworthy that a lot of people in the visible expression of the church today don't realize that the guys on the left side, the goatee guys,
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> these these guys call him Lord. I do. Yeah. Pagans don't do that. No.
0: Non-believers don't do that. Mm-hmm. That should be scary. Yeah. I'm not com- completely convinced at C.S. Lewis' uh, allegory in Last Battle. But it is intriguing that C.S. Lewis finds the complete pagan as better than the one that tries to be religious. Well, he, had figures, I mean. he had goatee figures as well. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> the goatee guy. Yeah, he's a goatee guy. All right. One more verse, I think. Chapter 8, verses 10 through 14. One set of verses here. Chapter 8, chapter 14.
4: She, I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers, then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had had a vin- Solomon had a vineyard at Bahanam. Uh, he let out the vineyards to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is before me. You, O Solomon, may have may have the thousand, and the keepers of the fruit, two hundred. O you who dwell in the he, oh you who dwell in the gardens with companions, listening to your voices, let him hear it. She make haste, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices.
0: So in the middle of this erotic tale, all of a sudden we got some sort of a business arrangement. I mean it makes no sense at all. In the mechanical reading, it really doesn't. So let me hear what unless you have any comments, but you have something to add. Maybe I need to understand it better. A thousand Solomon seems like a. I mean, he's the richest man in the world. This seems like a pretty petty deal.
5: This goes back to chapter one,
2: it does. at
0: the very beginning. Where she's in the vineyard.
5: She's in the vineyard, but she did not get to tend her own vineyard. This is her opportunity to okay. make right
0: what okay. she was unable to do before. Rashi well, says that. Too. Okay, uh, eight ten says, Israel speaking, my faith is firm as a wall, and my nourishing synagogues. And Sedihar's halls halls are strong as towers. There's the vineyard (coughs) picture, you know, the protection for the vineyard. Then, having said so, I became in his eyes like a bride found. Who said that? He said that. I was perfect. Well, how do we know? He said I was, and that's all that matters.
4: It's interesting that that Rashi relates breast like like towers, to study halls. Uh, I, I kind of like. That. Well, I kind of well, like the text as it was. Well, yeah. I was what I was going to say was that breast, <laughs> When you think of milk, and milk represents life, so study halls of Torah equals life.
0: Well, it is well, yeah, absolutely. There's no question. I said Rashi's not making this up. He is a little bit, but he's not making it up. He's drawing from people who know the language of the Bible, nourished by
1: the Torah. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's pretty cool when you think about it. Then having said so, I became in his eyes like a bride found perfect. I just love that. That's awesome. It's like, you know, everybody could say, you know, well, you know, you'll never really measure up. It's a good thing you've been forgiven. Because you know you'll always see. And I can say, well, you know, I know that. But I can tell you another thing, too. He says I'm perfect. Not me personally. We. Me as in We. Israel was Shlomo's is Isra- excuse me because we have the that's we did. that's We're right That's true yeah absolutely Israel was was Israel was Shlomo's vineyard in populous Jerusalem He gave his vineyard to harsh cruel guardians I like this
2: I've, I've heard this before
0: yeah Each one came it, it does sound like it doesn't it, it does the masters the same parable yeah It's a vineyard he gave it his vineyard to harsh cruel guardians each one and you know, the funny thing is the church uses that same in parable. Each one, this is Pharisees, they're harsh. You know. uh, each one came to exhort his fruit, even a thousand silver pieces. The vineyard, This is Hashem speaking. The vineyard is mine. Your iniquities are before me. The thousand pieces of silver, yours, Shlomo, and two hundred more to the sages who guarded the fruit of Torah from our designs. Hashem. Oh, my beloved dwelling in far-flung gardens, your fellows, the angels, hearken to your voice of Torah and prayer. Let me hear it that they may again, that they may then sanctify me. Israel, flee, my beloved, from our common exile. Israel is saying saying they recognize the bridegroom is with them in exile. Flee, my beloved, from our common exile and be like a gazelle or a young heart in your swiftness. To redeem and rest your presence among us on the fragrant Mount Moriah site of your temple. That's a
3: good way to end the book. Yeah.
0: Makes you want to drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> makes you want to get married if you're not. <laughs> it should. It should. Because what we're describing is something that's indescribable. Only people who've had it can describe it. Even then. We just can't describe it. <laughs> right? So we got language that hints at it, like a movie's trying to hint at a story to somehow give you an experience you haven't had. Well, in our case, it's an experience we've had, but it encourages our experience. Like the scent of your wife. Or like the taste of wine at you a know, romantic. Those experiences we have it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. I remember this relationship. Wow, I really do treasure this. I really treasure this. You know, when I'm busy doing stuff, I you know, I treasure it, but wow, when I get and I get time to actually focus on you, this is really good. Really, really good. I can't describe it to anybody else. You and I know what it feels like. Israel and Hashem I know what it feels like. So whether it can ascribe to Rashi's interpretation or not, and I don't care if you agree or not, it's not important, you have to say that the poetic way of reading this requires that we dig deeper than simply the mechanical. We want to know more than it simply being a... a it to be a reference manual from a, for romantic occasions. Because even though it may be somewhat beneficial in that regard, I think it's a little sometimes weird. <laughs> um, it's far better seeing it as a an expression of God's relationship with his people. And to understand. Now, here's what's the problem with our normal way that we've seen people do the allegory? What's the purpose of the allegory normally? To make it unpractical. That's right. To take the practical and make it unpractical. To take the practical, physical obedience to God and make it spiritual. So we can explain it away. We use the allegory to explain things away. Is Rashi using the allegory to explain things away? Well, possibly the grittiness of maybe of the text. But other than that, what is he doing? What's his purpose? He wants to make it real. He wants to make it a part of a relationship that people have with God. So even if you don't agree with his text, you can at least say, well, he had the right idea, right? other than the intimate experiences conveyed in the language of the Song of Songs, It's pretty gritty. The Hebrew is grittier than the English. How else could <laughs> one explain the inexplicable logic of a relationship between the master and king of the universe and the little Israel? A hmm. dark and calm. Hmm. Least among nations. Right? But it-, it goes a long way to explain it, doesn't it? That Israel's not just the one that he promised to the fathers, but that he desires it's real. a lot. Israel. He obsesses, if we could use that
6: mm-hmm. term. It, it, it's almost like this is just the, the tip of the, the proverbial iceberg. Mm-hmm. It, it's like this is just, it's so unfathomable that until you've experienced that these words are still just,
0: Barely scratched the surface. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, like We're I said, it's, it, this is a worthy study exactly. for a long time. I mean, we just had to touch it, and I, you know, I thought about making this like five or six lessons, but you know, even then, we don't want to scratch the surface. We might get tired after a while. So, can we get away from erotic poetry?
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> just want to make a comment: the relationship between Rashi and the Church. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, that there was a relationship. There and was absolutely. But but what's and he was well
0: regarded by the Church in in a kind of a negative way, adversarial
3: way. Yeah, but but what's really unfortunate is that he was aware, obviously, of the messianic underpinnings of this. Mm-hmm. And Jewish people, like when you read the uh, Mishnah, Zeriah Malaf, they talk about building fences. Mm-hmm. So this may have been a fence that he built, and I think in a way it's unfortunate because because there was an abyss, much like that story of Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and the wealthy man, there was that abyss. There was an abyss between Rashi and the church. Sure. Now, Martin Luther tried to bridge that, and it didn't happen. We know what the result was. His Mm -hmm. book, The Jews and Their Lives, and that led to, of course, concentration camps. But if Rashi would have made some sort of overture, still retaining Judaism, but talking about the alternative position, you sort of wonder if the church would have perhaps Made an overture, and he would have made an overture, and something special would have happened. And that special thing is what I see happening right here and right now, just 900 or so years. No, started. I think Rashi's
0: even better than us, but I, I appreciate yeah. that. I, yeah. I agree. I, I and, and the thing about and the thing about this book is so why I want to share this book is it's not just Rashi's text, because the sages, in particular of the Midrash, but also the Talmud, have their commentary in there. Even Israel, even. Uh, Bill Nega- later ones, building like I own, actually have their commentary in here, and they definitely make the Messianic connection. Yeah. I think
7: having been either outward- outright accused or at least insinuated by uh, by, uh, by others of being too pro pro Jews and too pro sages, is that Phoenix, is that possible? Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, the one thing that that this um, this book really drives home for me is that the heart of God is for His people Israel. Amen. Intense. And so, if we, whether we're Jew or not, if we have attached ourselves to the God of Israel, the of Israel. Then our heart should also the same be the same way, exactly. Because if we have that relationship, then our heart should beat for the same things.
0: As well. Absolutely, and I, and, and I think that not just among people like us, but even people that are maybe uh, still in you know right. normative Christianity, you know, uh, that's why Christian science. Like, exactly. A, you know, it, it's, a it's, thing. It is, it's it's it is it's wonderful. Motives. It's wonderful, but you know, the ulterior motives are not as pronounced and not as not as, I and mean, I'd say they don't even exist anymore. Most people in that group, in that camp are simply the lovers of the Jewish people. They just do not They just are. There's no other explanation for it. They're not trying to get them saved or anything like that. Although they would want to, that's not their goal. That's not their mission. Good. Mm-hmm. Do I have one here? I do. Or, oh, no, I can get it. Let me tell me where it is. It is there. Is, is, there there one, is there a blessing? Is there a blessing for after reading a writing? Is there one more
1: bullet? Yeah,
6: there is, maybe. It wasn't important, obviously. I just thought it was Oh there it is. I love it. It's language <laughs> of
2: intimate love. It is. Start with Mayu. <clears throat>
0: I like that, Rabbi. USA. I know! It, you know, it's so, so... Funny. Well, you, I, do you know when this is from? This is actually from Usha, where there was all sorts of division, and they didn't all get along. They really didn't. There was a big old yeah. war going on in, among the sages. And this is what they would say. May you taste of the sweetness of the world to come this way. May you see your children's children come to faith. May your end be with the life of the world to come, and your deeds affect the hope of many generations. May your heart ponder and achieve understanding of Torah. May your mouth speak wisdom to everyone you meet. And may your tongue bring forth song as you praise the Holy One, blessed is he. May you have the self-control to look straight before you. May your eyes be enlightened by the light of Torah. May your face shine like the brightness of the sky. May your lips utter knowledge, your heart rejoice in righteousness, and your feet run to hear the words of the ancient days. Amen. Amazing. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless Thank you. you, right Thank you. Right.